If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. Today, listeners, we're going to be talking about the importance and the power of a learning journey as part of your strategic planning process. And Rebecca Staple-Wax, who's the executive director of Sojourn, is going to be joining us. And so let me introduce you to Rebecca. This is going to be a little bit of a longer introduction because I was actually trying to figure this out the other day. I think that Rebecca and I have known each other for 25 years, give or take a year or two. Um, So about two and a half decades. So when you've known someone this long, the intros are a little bit longer. We actually first met when we were working at Jewish Family and Queer Services in Atlanta. And eventually, Rebecca became the director of the Rainbow Center, which eventually spun off and became independent. And then she became the executive director of the Southern Jewish Resource Network for Gender and Sexual Diversity, which is what Sojourn stands for. She has been a part of Sojourn However you want to think about it, she has been a part of and leading Sojourn for nearly 20 years. And I'll share with you in her role at Sojourn and in other roles in her life, she has trained thousands of youth, educators, parents, clergy, and advocates so that they can go out and better build inclusive communities. She has also built curricula for rural Southern communities to address the increased rates of and risk for suicide that we know gender and sexually diverse people experience. Let me tell you a couple more things about Rebecca. When she is not an executive director, she is also a licensed professional counselor who specializes in working with LGBTQ people, people living with HIV, and those with substance abuse issues. And when not being an ED or an LPC, she is the wife, of a wonderful, wonderful woman, and also a mother. So she has a lot going on, and she also has a very special place in my heart. And Rebecca knows this, so I'm not telling tales out of school. When I launched my consulting practice back in 2015, Rebecca was the first person to take a risk and hire me. I'd not had a single consulting engagement up to that point. 
And so she brought me in to help Sojourn with its first strategic planning project. And it was an incredible experience for me. I was so grateful for the trust that she really bestowed on me and the opportunity that she gave me. I'll also share with you that in the ensuing years, the organization would bring me in to do some board retreat work and some other work. And where I really felt incredibly humbled and grateful was when it came time to do the strategic planning project again, Rebecca reached back out and was like, Dov, I'd, I'd like for you to do the project. And so the really cool thing, though, is every year we get better at strategic planning. And so strategic planning changes every year. And so I thought Rebecca would be the perfect person to talk about the learning journey because when we did a strategic planning project, gosh, that was 2015, so seven years ago, we did not do a learning journey. And when we did one, I think last year, we did do the learning journey. So that's why I really wanted Rebecca on to talk about this. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Dolph. It's a delight to be here with you and to talk about our our relationship and our journey together. Well, well, thank you. And I also forgot to mention POP. I meant to talk about Poromoff Ponds, and I'll make sure that we talk about that at some point because it's an amazing event that everyone should know about. But um, why don't we just start just in just kind of the basics of the learning journey? Because I'm, I'm not going to make the assumption that every one of our listeners is like, oh yeah, learning journey. I know exactly what that is. So when I first approached you about a learning journey, what were like, what was your concept of it? And what were your initial thoughts? Like you said, many people don't know about it, and I was completely clueless. I had never heard of one, but it sounded so incredibly rich and logical and um, and tangible. However, we were in the middle of a pandemic, and those that we approached to do this learning journey with and basically an organization that we wanted to emulate that had a blueprint for the direction in which we wanted to go um, was how you described it to me and really was the case. But the, the organizations that we approached at first said, are you sure you don't want to do this online? And you um, encouraged us to pursue it and say, you know, there's nothing like doing this in person and really getting a sense of an organization. Yeah, yeah. And I know Lexi and I, we brainstormed a few possible learning journey partners, and then we kind of shared them with you and with the work group that was working on the strategic plan. And and it was kind of a really fascinating process because we started, I think, there's not that many organizations across the country like yours, but I think we started with like four or five and then kind of winnowed it down. And that was such a really unique experience to go, okay, which one is the blueprint? Which one is already where you want to be in five years? And you made it realistic because there are some organizations that would not be within our bounds in the next five years um, unless something ridiculous happened. And, and that was really very helpful so that we ensured that we weren't taking steps that, that were going to be ineffective or inefficient. Mm-hmm. And we won't tell tales about the organizations you all decided not to use for your learning journey. But, you know, I do think the way we kind of set it up was we said, okay, you know, here's four or five possible prospective learning journey partners. We've done some initial research. Here's the research on them. Which one seems right for you? Do you recall how you kind of went out it down and you said, okay, this one is the right one? I think it was about budget and where we could be in the next five years. It was about 
um, number of constituents that were reached. It was about the staffing and how, you know, the capacity that they currently had versus what we were, you know, able to do in, in a short time period. So those were really the initial pieces that I think um, were most important to determine. Uh, it w- was interesting in terms of the the travel to this location was not the closest. And so geographically, you know, we're working across the South and there are different experiences in different locations. And so that was not as key um, in the decision-making because there are no other organizations like ours in the South in order for us to have um, used as a learning journey. Yeah. And, and, and I do remember as we were going through, there was one organization that when we dug a little bit deeper, because we're like, wow, look at all the staff they have. And then we looked at their budget size and we're like, oh my gosh, they can't be paying a living wage. And so we kind of, you know, that group were like, okay, we, we might have some interest in learning more about their programs, but as an organization, we're not as interested. Right. And so there are benefits to having those partnerships and collaborations, um, but they were not the template in which we wanted to use. And and when I say blueprint and template and and guide, I, I, I want to be really incredibly respectful of the time and the effort and the, the intellectual property of these organizations. We didn't intend to duplicate what they were doing. How they put it was, why reinvent the wheel? Um, and it, it, it seems as though nonprofits don't have endless supplies of, of cash and resources. Um, and so they were very generous with sharing what had worked for them and what hadn't worked for them. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, I, I know we had a quick sidebar conversation and we just kind of agreed that we're not actually going to name the organization you did do the learning journey with just because we want to be really respectful of them. And also, quite frankly, we don't want them flooded with learning journey requests. When we talk about how amazing and incredible they were, we don't want 10 other organizations to call them up in the next month and be like, will you do one with us? Because then they'll never want to do a learning journey with us or anyone else ever again. Truth. But but if we can maybe talk about the the learning journey itself. So can you kind of describe like what we what we did um, as a group and individually to prepare for that learning journey, and then and then maybe even we'll talk about the learning journey and and what we did there. So preparation for the learning journey was pretty robust, and you were a huge piece of making that happen. And that you did a lot of research in their financials and their. Um, progress and that told a story Um, and it helped us ask questions and probe a little deeper than just what was on paper. And we, you know, determined who we should have at this learning journey amongst the staff. Um, We did invite their board. Unfortunately, no, none of their board members could um, attend, but that would be a really great asset um, for the next learning journey. You and myself and a board member attended. And that was incredible. I I mean, you and I being there was really important, but having a board member who volunteered, also paid their own way, although I would pay it triple fold again if, um, if 
there's a, a board member that wants to go but couldn't um, couldn't afford to. And having having a board member there was so essential for witnessing the experience, um, having the input in terms of asking questions, really understanding how this could benefit Sojourn, and then relaying that information from their perspective to the rest of the board who was going to be voting on the strategic plan and, um, and taking it forward. The learning journey was a pivotal moment in the decisions we were going to make and the goals that we were going to go for. So not more than three or four would be best for this, just so that the organization doesn't get overwhelmed. But us, again, being in person doing this as opposed to online, sharing a meal and a couple of snacks in between, we went to a place that was so, and I, I use this Yiddish word, Hamish, um, the warmth that they provided in their space. There was a dog there that um, spent the day with us. It was very relaxed. Um, we wanted to provide as much comfort for everyone to feel free to talk. We set the tone in the very beginning saying that, what we talked about was privileged to them and that they that we would not be sharing any details that it was in in confidence and it was really key for us to learn from them in an honest way because you know certainly um knowing the details could be very um personal and certainly did not want to have any issues um, for them in in what they shared. Hey, Rebecca, yeah, and if I can just jump in, I yeah, I I completely and one hundred percent remember that so well because there were a couple points where one of the folks from the learning journey partner, one of the representatives, would pause and essentially say, "I want to share something that's really confidential about something that happened with us or a mistake we made or whatever." I just need an assurance it's inside the cone of silence. And we go, it's inside the cone of silence. And you're right, we wa we walked away having learned from their mistakes so that we don't have to do it. I thought about this, you know, in relationships and, and you know, romantic and intimate relationships. You, you get sometimes more from what you don't want than what you do. Um, and that's exactly what I, I learned from this situation. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I also wanted to reflect on when you were talking about the importance of having a board member there, I think you're 100% right because almost every learning journey I've been a part of, it has been such a change. We come back with such a stark change in strategy. Like the board and the work group and everyone's all thinking, oh yeah, we're headed, we're headed in terms of our strategy and our tactics in this direction. And then we come back from the learning journey and we're like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, it's not quite what we thought. And having the board member there who's a peer of all of the other board members to say, yeah, I was there. And yeah, that we do need to rethink our strategy. We do need to rethink our tactics for achieving these goals. And it's been almost exactly a year since we did this learning journey. We finished our strategic plan in October and we launched that planning 
immediately. And to this day, we are completely implementing that, that strategic plan. One of the biggest goals for us was to hire a director of development. And we are in, fully in that process as we speak. We have wonderful candidates, and it's just an incredible feeling and and situation to be in to have a year gone by and really be ensuring that our that our strategic plan is actually working for us. And, and you know, Rebecca, it's interesting because when we walked into that learning journey. That was not a first-year priority. Hey, we need to hire a development director. Can you talk about what happened in the learning journey that made all of us around the table go, oh, I could have had a development director instead of I could have had a V8? For sure. So I am the the founding executive director of Sojourn, but I'm not the first executive director of, of this work. But we met with the founding executive director of this organization. And what we saw was a partnership between that CEO and their director of development. Um, I, I believe they're now the chief development officer because they have grown so much that they have really incorporated this idea of being a solid organization that is in the million dollar category for us, that was very far reach. And um, what I saw was a partnership between this executive director and development person. The development person didn't even come from that community, but was able to maximize the relationships that the executive director had in order to do the work that they need to do in their community. So when we're in our hiring process, I'm not afraid of going outside the box, which is right now the Atlanta community, because I feel like the right person can work with our organization in partnership in a, in tandem and just a really beautiful simpatico that it's a team and it was a beautiful synergy that they had um, that I, I envisioned for Sojourn. And, you know, I don't remember which of us on the learning journey asked the question, but someone asked them the question, what would you do differently? And the executive director looked at us and said, you know, I could not convince my board that I needed a development director. So I got a different, you know, same level within the organization, but I got a different senior leadership position and not a development director position. But once I could convince my board that we needed a development director, wow, things really started to change. So if I could do something differently, I would have convinced my board that we needed a development director sooner. Most of the time, I believe in things are meant to be. And for them, that's is the path that they went on. And that's that was the way in which they learned. And yes, it might've happened sooner, but they probably wouldn't have had this person. And that seemed to be the right person. And obviously, you know, we all know that we're all dispensable. And yet this is a great partnership that has really grown their organization and I can see um, happening other places. Yeah. As I recall it, as soon as it was over, 
we were all talking on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, yeah, development director, we need it. We need to pray because I think originally, you know, we were pretty far along in the planning process, and I think we were thinking development director year three or something like that. And we suddenly thought, oh no, no, we we need to we need to get the development director to generate the revenue so we can sustainably grow all these programs. And it was a mm-hmm. it was a real game changer. And I'll say, like, I don't know that's a revolutionary concept. Hey, we need to get the development director first, but for board and staff and others to hear from another organization that that's that was the big change that made it possible for them suddenly helps them feel like it's real and understand oh yeah that's that's probably what we need to do mm-hmm. and if it's worked and it's been proven somewhere then why can't it work for us yeah the other thing that's interesting and I actually I recently had this conversation with a with another organization where we just did their learning journey where um as we were preparing to share with the with the work group um which is primarily board members what we what we were bringing back from the learning journey kind of how I set it up was I I said and I, I need to see if I can do this from memory but I said there are three Rs that I need everyone just to kind of remember the first is risk we can't move forward if we're completely uncomfortable with risk. The second is rejection, because sometimes we're going to move forward and we're going to be told no. The third is resilience, because, well, if we, if we hit a roadblock and we're like, well, that didn't work, well, then guess what? It's never going to work because you stopped. Um, and and then the last one is reinvention. So, you know, just resilience and just hitting the same roadblock again and again is not going to help you. So, but but we've got this model. Let's take this model and understand there's going to be risk and rejection, but we're going to be resilient and we're going to reinvent when we need to. And that, you know, it seems like a great formula to to have that framework on how to, you know, how to to move forward. If I may just share that the pandemic we weren't sure whether or not our annual fundraiser was going to happen um, at the end of our strategic plan. But we also wanted this director of development, but we needed to raise the money in order to hire this person. And what came of the strategic plan was another avenue for fundraising for mm-hmm. us. We developed a, a capacity building campaign. A lot of people thought it was a capital campaign. We said, we are not building a building um, at this point in time, um, but a capacity building campaign. And people really felt like this was a great way to invest mm-hmm. in the organization. They were okay to take a break from that signature event we call poor moth ponts. And um and this is a year of of sabbatical and Jewish tradition where you lay the earth fallow and you return all debts um, or li- release all debts. Um, and it felt like a really great for how we looked at our strategic plan was that we were going to ensure that the the organization was whole. And would you be willing to share what your goal was on the capacity campaign? So the capacity building campaign was $150,000. For us, that was our largest goal since we have been in operation since 2013. So, and and we made it within a few months. I'll just say we had 41 larger gifts than we had had previously the year before. We had 18 new donors 
um, and multiple year donors. Wow, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, I, I know we're technically talking about the learning journey. What what was the secret? Like, what was the secret sauce? Because you know, you raised your largest your largest campaign to date, um, and you did it in a few months. What was the secret? I would say that the secret was that we had a plan. We had a cohesive, strongly supported plan that um, multiple people were involved in that um, really made rational sense and that was not going to distract us from really the mission of the organization, which we created a new mission during this time, um, which was to empower communities to advance and celebrate gender and sexual diversity across the South. We felt very connected to our future, and we were able to convey that passion to over 230 donors. That, that's awesome. And I will say, I was really struck by your plan, but especially the way you rolled out communication. So so I really felt to me like you, the donors that were involved in that campaign or the donors who are most likely to support that campaign felt included in the process. You know, we don't always do that when we fundraise, and you all did that really well. You know, part of what we do is outreach, and and we have 54 Jewish organizations in Atlanta that have been involved in our work and we can't do it without others. The mission is is not in a silo and making sure that everybody feels included is is really the work um, that we do it and it's probably the reason why I do it is because of that feeling of connection. Hmm. And I will say you really you excel at connection and community. You 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 really excel at that. Um, I before before I jump to an off the map question, I want to ask one more question about the learning journey. And this is really me asking you for some free advice. If you were to do a learning journey over, what would you do differently? You know, I think it's really important to stay in touch with the the organization in which you have done a learning journey. Is um, we we have, but not as as much as I'd like. Um, and I, I don't know whether or not that that would lead to anything else. But I do think that it's a great way of showing your appreciation mm-hmm. and. Um, and to let and and because it's been an anniversary um, since we um, last went to see them to update them. Everybody wants to know the impact that they've made. Certainly, an organization to another organization is the same way. That is a really key piece to the work we do. Is this is this is a an organization that is in our stratosphere. And, um, and I'd really like that to continue. Um, and I guess it's, it's, it, you know, it's the same thinking about fundraising in some ways is, you know, cultivation. We want them to say good things about us just as much as we want them to appreciate the, the growth that we've had. Well, I, well, I will share with you. You've you've kind of given me what we should do differently, and you gave me that aha moment. We're like, oh yeah, I should have been doing this all along. We need a bake, following up with the learning journey partner into the strategic plan. 
So, you know, so like in that first year when we have quarterly tactics, you know, maybe it's six months in, you check in and then 12 months in, you check in. But then also every year, just mm-hmm. baking in, there needs to be a check-in or maybe even at the end of two years, you go visit again. Um, so like, I appreciate that because I'd not thought about it that way, but you're right. I should, we should bake that in so that organizations think about it. And as you know, the strategic plans, at least the ones that we do, also include a three-year budget. And it means, for example, if you're planning to go back in two years, It'll be it'll be in that three year budget as well. Absolutely, I think it's a, a great idea so that you know you already have an established relationship. Yeah. See, I knew I was asking the right person. Hey, what 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 would you do differently next time so that we can improve? And that helps. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I've got a, a unique off the map question for you. So, listeners, if you. If you're not aware, Rebecca's in the Atlanta area. I'm in the Atlanta area. And what I'm about to ask about is something we don't have a lot of in the Atlanta area. But but Rebecca's from a part of the world where they do have a lot of this. I understand that you have a parking superpower. Yes. I, the parking gods are with me. And and so what what is your parking superpower? <laughs> I can parallel park any vehicle you ask me to. It depends on the space, of course. But um and it goes back to my geometry class and my sophomore year in high school in that angles and playing pool and parallel parking are all in the same kind of mindset. And um, so I grew up in Boston. So if anybody has ever driven in Boston, you understand um, the chaos that ensues. And I probably did get into like four accidents the first week I had my license. But now many, 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 many years later, I have driven the float in the pride parade, um, which is very long and very big. Um, I have driven trucks um, and um, for our Purim off Ponds event. Um, and I feel very confident in um, actually teaching my children right now to drive, um, which is, you know, I am, I am radically surrendering. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it takes an even-keeled parent to teach your children to drive. That, that, I understand that is a lot of anxiety that happens when, when, when you're teaching that. And, and I, I think it probably depends on your child's um, approach to, to driving, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it, it does take a good combo for each other to survive the uh, that, That's the awesome. That's awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you for so many reasons, but most especially for just the way you approach the world and just the care and concern and openness that you that you bring to everything you do. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Dolph. You know how much I adore you and respect you and feel like, you know, you have been an incredible mentor, guide, um, guru to me and the work that we do. And I'm very grateful to Successful Nonprofits. It's my favorite podcast. I will just say I tell everyone you were my first podcast that I ever downloaded and um, and I am a loyal fan. Thank you. And listeners, you know, I always want to make sure that if you want to reach out to Rebecca, you know how. And here's how you do it. You go to sojourngsd.org. That's sojourngsd.org. And here's what you could do while you're there. They have the best sources for information about the intersection of Jewish and gender and sexual diversity in the South. 
something else when they put Purim off Ponce back on their website for the upcoming one, the one in 2023. Make sure you check that out, especially if you're within driving distance of Atlanta and you want an incredible springtime costume party. You don't have to be Jewish to go uh, and you're going to have a great time. And by the way, you're probably going to have a great costume too. You're going to make good friends. Listeners, that is our show for this week. Before I drop off, a couple things. First of all, if you found this episode useful, please, I want you to download episode 213, The Magic of Strategic Plans with Leanna Downey. Because obviously, if you found this useful, you're thinking about strategy and you're thinking about tactics and planning. The other is episode 229 with Heather Yando, How to Hire an Awesome Consultant. Because if you're thinking about strategic planning, you're probably also thinking about, hey, who could help us with that? And Heather's going to provide some actionable tips for how to identify and hire the right consultant for your organization. And finally, I always appreciate it when you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That, friends, is our show for the week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive. And I always wait a couple seconds before I tell you what the lawyers make me tell you. I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the Goldenberg Group. Guess what? Yep, you got it right. Provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only, which means please do not rely on it for tax, legal, or accounting advice. If you need that, I am not the right person. What you need or who you need is a licensed, qualified professional who specializes in the very specific issue that you or your organization is facing. And if you're not sure what type of professional that might be, or you don't know who you could reach out to, you can always contact me and I can help you think through it. If I know someone, I'm happy to make a connection.